Good evening and welcome world on the Commissioner Corner Podcast. My name is Joe Cruz, one half of the Commissioner Corner Podcast here on the Cruise Control Podcast Network. Yo, it's your boy BG, Mr. LES Express. You know we here at the Commissioner's Corner Podcast. We want to give a big shout out to Red Bull, man, for always supporting us. And she want to shout them out before the show even starts. Here, Joe, introduce your boy, man. He's here, big time. Hey, we, hey, we got big time Eric Newman. Uh, we have producer, the director, the content creator. Uh, there's so many titles for this young man here. I call him young man because I've seen him grow through this industry, uh, through basketball, through the lenses of New York City basketball, and now to the to the point where he's putting uh, content on the world, eyeballs on certain interests and topics that are so dope. So I want to take this opportunity to welcome Mr. Eric Newman to the show. Eric, what's going on, brother? Gentlemen, pleasure. Pleasure. If I if I if I knew when this week started, I'd be closing it with the, the commissioner's corner and a New York City snowstorm. I'd say that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Cheers hey, to that. Cheers. Happy holidays. Uh, it's it's glad Me to have too. you back. Um, Eric's got it's a pleasure to have you. I know you've been running around doing a lot of different stuff. Uh, I just want to let the world know that uh, Eric's been around basketball for almost fifteen years. Yes, sir. Uh, his his his. <clears throat> Leadership through his work with Nike basketball, through Game Seven, through all the different pillars of NYC basketball, making the mecca. Uh, to taking that opportunity and bringing it to uh, lifestyle, culture, movies, yep. documentaries, features. So, um, r- right into it, Eric, real quick. Um, just having that experience behind you, having the NYC being the mecca basketball, and you taking all that in. Uh, was that the experience you needed to get to where you at right now, or there were some certain steps you wanted to get through first before your ultimate uh, decision of becoming a producer? You know, you've got me in that hot tub time machine now, thinking about all the years that, that all the, you know, all the events, all the camps, all the clinics, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to flash back to when we first met and hearing about what you guys what, built. And, um, it might have been the World Basketball Festival, E. Remember? Yeah, I think I think it was probably before. I think it was probably yeah. before. Like you know, I I'm so, you know, to to for a little context to answer your question, I'm so, I'm so lucky that I had those experiences. Like my goal, um, you know, in my younger days, not to date myself, but yeah, I've been around a minute, and uh, you know, I'm 42 years old. So as a young uh, aspiring coach who also had like this creative itch. And, you know, originally everyone thought I was going to be a broadcaster because I was a sports nut and I was into all that media and production and stuff. But the experiences in the space that we met is where like everything meshed together. And I got to work right. with great people and I got to lead exciting programs and I got to work, you know, the original chain link, which was part of the whole dime 94 by 50 yeah. crew before right. game seven was created. And then, you know, obviously working with Nike on so many things. And really seeing the convergence of basketball and the new digital media landscape. Yep. And, um, you know, been reflecting on a lot for a variety of reasons as we close the year. And um, last week, I don't know if you saw it on social or all, but it was a year removed to the day since we filmed our All the Smoke episode with Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I don't mean to jump ahead to that stuff, but it's just an example of like the magic of the journey. And there's like pictures that were posted that I never saw before. And I'm in there with Stack, with Matt, with Kobe. And there's one picture where I'm showing 
Kobe, my phone. Mm. May, he, may he rest in peace. And what I'm showing him on my phone, guys, and Joe, you'll remember this because I think you were there that day. I'm showing him a picture of he and I running the Nike Chain Link Clinic at Rucker from yeah. World Basketball <laughs> Festival 10 years ago. And yeah. I'm having this moment with him. Yeah. And I'm not here today producing. I'm not here today meshing my passions and my dreams together and working with the entities I'm working with, the players who I've worked with, the people who I've worked with, if it's not for that journey through that space. So that, that day actually, like seeing all the media around and knowing things were going digital and me already having created some content with Dime and doing some other stuff, right. I, I told myself like, if I'm not gonna take this coaching route and figure out where it could take me, then there's this other thing I know I wanna do and there's a growing appetite for it. And it's, and it's this, but I couldn't have predicted the industry would have gone this way. I couldn't have predicted things right. like 30 popping up and all these new platforms. And I've just tried to follow my passion and work with great people and work on my craft. And somehow I'm sitting here talking about it with you guys uh, closing 2020. So I'm really lucky. So I've always been a movie nut. I've always been a creative nut. As you know, a passionate hoop head, basketball yep. guy. And um, there's so many similarities between history and teamwork yeah. and collaboration and it's all, it's all worked out. That's hey, amazing, man. man. And um, you mentioned Dime Magazine, man, and big shout out to my guys over there. That used to be over there, Bobito Garcia. Um, you got Sean, man. You got so many guys, man, that, that, that um, I shot the big Paul Rivera. That's my guy, PR. But um, you got so many guys that I looked up to coming up in the game. Um, who, who were some of the guys that wrote, were your role models or some of the people that may have influenced you? Um, and it could have been in basketball because basketball is obviously our first love. But who, who were some of the people that influenced you and your role models that kind of gave you that that uh, somebody to watch to um, and channel what you were doing? You just named two of them. Um, That's crazy. You know, it's. It, it's really interesting. I don't know if you guys have had this thought as you've gotten older, right? Like you grow up, you got your crew, you grew up playing ball with, right? And then mm -hmm. I had a crew that, uh, Joe, you may remember like the early film I did about where I went to sleepaway camp and played basketball in those tournaments and stuff. And, you know, that's floating out there digitally. So I had like that crew from the summer. And then I mm -hmm. went to college and I played small school college football in Ithaca and have these great friends I've been friends with for 25 years. I have that crew. So usually in your 20s, hmm. once you have these groups of friends, you're not forming that many more relationships. Exactly. For me, for me, complete opposite. As soon as I stepped into New York City basketball, uh, I think it was the summer of 2003, getting my first job at the old basketball city. And it was actually Justin Leonard, who was running youth stuff over yeah. the time, hired me. But I met Paul Rivera there and we became friends and then eventually very good friends. And I got to work with them on many exciting things and um, him with career advice and helping me navigate my way through different Nike experiences, but ultimately encouraging me in the long run to chase what I really wanted to go after. And, you know, I learned so much about the industry from the athlete and marketing strategy side right. after 
my days at Bleacher when I was doing different projects with him and what he was building at Robot with him and the team. And, you know, just di different stages of friendship and mentorship right. and, and very fortunate. And, uh, and then Bobito is somebody that I looked at as this guy has taken his ultimate passions in life and he's made them his career. How do I do this? Like how, how and what's so impressive about Bobito is um, he was always there to give advice, but I never was like banging down his door. And years later, um, he always kept an eye on what I was doing and paid attention and really cared. And, you know, uh, doing it in the park was such a memorable experience yeah. because mm -hmm. it was such a communal basketball film. And when he had the big screening event as part of, I think, Urban Week, like the whole community was there. Wow. I realized after all these years, what a what a special group of people that like I, I became this minute part of, but it, it was it was so warm and genuine. And you fast forward to when I start to grow in my career and I got to produce like multiple episodes of Sneaker Center with Bob yeah. ESPN Plus. I remember that. It was such a thrill. And we were having these just great life catch-ups and talks. And he said to me, yo, E, you know what I remember? I remember when you asked me to meet you for lunch like 11, 12 years ago when you were trying to figure out like what your formula was going to be and what you were going to do. And now look at you now. And I was just so impressed. He remembered that moment because me being able to go to lunch with someone like that and pick his brain and get great advice and stay on his radar and ultimately build a friendship and great respect and then get to work with him. Uh, it's truly amazing. So, you know, those are two of the people. And then, you know, Joe, you can, you can picture this because you know, the, the full craziness of the journey, like, yeah, you know, between uh, the free sneakers from the basketball <laughs> and having to record everything to tape back in the day before you were going um, everything digital. You know, I've lived two careers and I've, I've assembled so many belongings and things and nostalgia items. And that's the way I feel about so many of my relationships. Like right. there's just so many good people from both sides. So lo those are two of them. And, you know, coaches from my past uh, still play a big role in my life. And then, you know, I've had some mentors on the production side of the industry who I've gotten to learn from. And, you know, whether it's a, Dave, a veteran like a David Check, who has his own company now, who used to run MLB Productions, or John Hawk, who Bobito worked with uh, on Sneaker Center, who's a giant in the industry. And, um, you know, and then getting to work with all these players and athletes who, you know, we're constantly building and we're constantly sharing life experiences and, um, you know, real lucky. And obviously the relationship and what we're building at Showtime, uh, it's, it's, it's been great. But those people in particular, you mentioned from back in the day. Yeah. Helped help me in a big way, in a big way. Now, and before Joe goes too, I just want to say like, that's, I, you know, I work with the youth and um, I tell them it's, it's important that, you have people that can see things that you can't see in yourself. And I think like when you speak with people, even if they're role models, right? You want, you want people to kind of um, enroot in things and you, or just give you that push. And I think it's important that, you know, we, we stay, we keep people in our circle that have that kind of same mindset that we have or 
can pull things out of you. So I think that's dope because Bobito did the same thing for me when I was a kid. You know, um, I didn't think I would be having my own tournament and leagues and doing these different things. And he kind of poured that out of me. Um, so it, it's, it's just that's, that's a unique, unique story to hear you say that that's what Bob did for you. I mean, same thing for me while we're on that topic, Bobito's, you know, one of those, you know, once in a lifetime kind of people that you meet. Um, I'm blessed to be um, a minority and somebody that was able to get back to basketball the way he has and allow yep. doors that are open for me and you and Eric, respectfully, to continue being A1 genuine, right? Like to continue it being authentic and never switching up. So that's the one thing I admire about Bobito in terms of his content his delivery and how he approaches the game as well as he approaches this crap. So, you know, salutes to him. So I wanted to dive into your psychosis, Eric, in terms of production. So with your wealth of experience with basketball knowledge and your media production, um, your storytelling interests are ranging from sports to social injustice. I want to know, like, what are the stories or what stories do you want to engage the audience with that engage you or what attracts you to these stories uh, that make it compelling for you to make these stories, these documentaries so personal? You know, it's interesting when you get to the point in your career where you're catch yourself and you're working on the things you set out to do in the first place, but you couldn't get right to it because you had to establish yourself or you had to take that job or you had to take that project that you didn't really want to do, but you had, you had to pay rent. Um, so, you know, from the basketball side, it's just, you know, Garnett was always like, I mean, this, this, this for me is so surreal. I mean, I have to be honest with you. If, you were, if, if, I, if I, I mean, if I told you like the original story, you wouldn't like you wouldn't believe me. Like you wouldn't believe how this is. Do not, hold on, hold on. Do not leave unfolded. out anything today. Do not leave anything out today because you want to hear it first. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're talking, you know, from from the fun from the fun basketball fan side, right? Like you're talking to a lifelong Celtics fan that grew up in New York. And after the big three retired and Reggie passed away, I'm growing up amongst all these, you know, these Knicks fans who think, <laughs> you know, shout out to the 90s Knicks. But <laughs> it was. It, I don't want to get Randy involved because you and Randy go at it a lot. So. From, a, from, a, from, a, from a trash talking standpoint, like you know, just hoops, right? But it was serious and it was rough. And people would say, uh, are we, we four-letter words on the show or are we keeping this clean to the audience? Go the other way. No, talk your stuff, man. Talk your smoke. People would say fucked up shit to me, like about Reggie Lewis and Len Byers. Like, they would say fucked up shit. And I was an, ang I was, I was an angry, like, highly competitive teenager. And, like, mm -hmm. things would get intense. Celtics Knicks, right? And um, you know, just fast forward to then being able to work in basketball and have it be part of my heartbeat every day professionally and follow it and your whole adult life you're waiting for a team to come along you're waiting to root for a winner and you're waiting to, like I was a media intern in the 99 playoffs like I know what the Garden felt like in 99 mm. Like from right. Nick's perspective, right, right. 
unbelievable. Like, when can I feel that with my basketball team? And then aside from like, you know, a miracle run to the conference finals with Pearson Walker and crew at O2, it was nothing. And then at the height of me working in basketball, my favorite team gets the ultimate competitor and guy that wants to win more than anything in the world. And I get to watch him every night because now it's full league pass mode. Mm-hmm. So AG, like, AG coming to the Celtics was, was the dream come true from a Celtic perspective. And at around that time, I'm thinking to myself, what am I really going to go after in my life? And I thought about films I'd want to make and stories I'd want to tell. And, you know, you fast forward halfway through that experience to World Basketball Festival summer, and I'm thinking about these things, and it's like, wow, imagine being able to tell the story of Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett winning a championship with the Celtics, and what he went through to even make it to the NBA. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I went to work, <laughs> and 10 years later, um, you know, here, here I sit, but it's... um it's at the point where I'm watching that Celtic season and I'm watching this guy take every frustration, every moment of adversity mm. and put it into his fire and, and put and and, and it, it's the fuel to his fire. It's in his furnace and he's just absorbing any negativity and pushing it back out as intensity and positive energy or raising the level of his teammates and pushing himself to a level where I I don't think I thought about that level in terms of my craft as an adult off the court, out of the weight room, off the field. It was always associated with the sport. Mm -hmm. I always coached hard. I always prepped hard. I always worked the kids hard. But with this other thing that I had this interest in, it wasn't, you know, just about learning camera and learning the techniques of editing. It was about so much more and right. changing your outlook and changing your mind and then making the sacrifices needed in one's personal life to really go after and have a career. You, you know, I could, could have gotten just gotten a job and right. stuck with that, but that's, that's not what I wanted. And KG fueled so much of that for me. So mm-hmm. to then be able to get introduced to him while we're building the Showtime vision and build trust and build a relationship and build the vision and then do this stuff and, and do it with, and I left out, you know, one of my other uh, mentors in the space who I've learned from and I'm working with on this project and that's documentary filmmaker uh, and executive producer, uh, Mark Levin. So his production company, Blowback Productions is the production company on this. His son, Dan Levin, friend of mine, co-producer, co-director on the film. And, you know, Mark's an OG doc filmmaker. And I've learned so much from him and gotten so much confidence from him. Um, but, yeah, he he met KG and KG's crew out in L.A. And that's how I got the introduction. And Dan and I worked together on Legend of Sweet Pea back in the day, the Lloyd Daniels film. And um, had always wanted to take on something bigger. So um, the KG happening came from the passion for hoops and some visualization and and turning things into realities and then relationship building with with mark and dan and blowback and then of course showtime so that's 
that's been a key for me, Joe. I know I went off on a little tangent there, but it's like <laughs> the stories along the way, so much are tied to relationships. They really are. Right. No, and, and that's why we're here. And that's why we need to know that story because after, you know, I, you know, I mean, respectful, I know BGR in the basketball world in New York, but, you know, we, we, we seen you and then you was like, we seen you from afar and it was like, what is he doing? Where did he go? <laughs> What's going on? And, and you would see Eric pop up with certain things and like, and then like, you have to be encrypted to understand what he's saying to you because he's not telling you what he's doing. He's telling you the pieces and moments that he's trying right. to build like a, like a, a puzzle collage. So then that's why BG, he, BG, he's given me a lot of credit for here for just running around like listen, listen. We got rubbing on thin, man. One piece at a time. One, one piece, piece at a time. Yeah. One piece at a time. Brick and mortar, man. Brick and mortar. Brick and mortar. <laughs> You've always taken care of me on that side after that's after what sure. left. Things of you know, whatever. I always, re always remember our time, our conversation, how genuine you was. So let's well, let's just be that respectful because I know that's where I know you from. And leading into your KG conversation, I want to take it and stay there. I want you to talk to talk to us about the KG feature documentary. I know, I'm not sure if you could mention too much about it because it's not released yet. But uh, what was it about? Uh, how was it working with KG? Not only you just shared a beautiful story about your Celtics heritage and him coming to your team how was it working with him and what should we look forward to in the KD documentary that maybe our our fans are educated on you think about all the interviews all the athletes you've worked with all the good days all the bad days all the days guys don't want to do stuff but they have to right chasing guys it's, it's you know it's part of the process this guy wants to work, wants to create, mm. wants to tell stories, <laughs> and it's uh, you know we 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 spent 2019 bringing the vision to life, getting the deal to the finish line, and then started this in January of 2020 earlier this year before the entire planet, of course, changed. Right. But through it all, we have we have worked been a great collaboration um his energy his passion makes my life easy i just got to set him up i just got to make sure we hit upon everything obviously he trusts me and the team to do so but this guy as a as a creative talent and it, it's a performance when he sits down for the fe these feature interviews this is a performance mm -hmm. and learning about how Kevin Garnett came to be KG and learning these different um, elements that make up his foundation. And, yeah. and, and some things he's just, you know, some things he shares very openly, some things he keeps in the vault forever. That's just how he's wired. But to go through this experience with him, and to share in it and the interviews and, you know, different scenes we've done with different people. Um, it's a truly unique look at a guy over, who over the course of 25 years changed the history of the sport, affected countless lives, uh, affected the culture around the game. Right. And is still doing so today. And 
Uh, I don't want to give a lot away from the film, but we are sitting on an incredible amount of material, both past and present. We've somehow navigated the pandemic to um, keep this thing going, and the delay is, is not going to be that crazy from when we set out. So we're, we're pushing to release the film post-Hall of Fame in June of 2021. We've okay. still got some filming left to do. We've been editing as we go. Um, the, some, of the, some, of the, some of the interviews I've done, Joe, are just, yeah. like, aside from KG, are on just the, the chorus of voices. So I'm super okay. excited. No, I wanted to. I I didn't want to cut you off, but I wanted to ask you a quick question as you're going into that lane, and before yeah. I pass to BG, like, what is for the for the common person that wants to watch this? What is this, what is the documentary about in terms of his life, or right. is it basketball as a personal? And without it, revealing it, too much, sure, yeah. sure, it's a, it's a it's a hybrid of both, and we really use this. I mean, you, you talk about making your own luck, and you talk about karma, like mm -hmm. it was. It, it was karma that I got introduced to him when I did. I got introduced to him when I was in L.A. because I was there to film Boogie's comeback against right. the Clippers from the Achilles. And that's when I had my first meeting with him. Like, this was wow. all supposed to happen. And yeah. just like he was supposed to take the leap from high school to the NBA. And we used this 25-year framework to frame up the impact that his decision had on basketball, on culture, the life he lived at different stages through it and the relationships he built. And it's this fine mix that we're putting together. As he likes to call it, we're mixing this very flavorful gumbo of all this goodness. <laughs> and um, I'm not going to try imitating him now because I just started having my first drink, so I won't be ready for a minute. So, <laughs> That's the man... Yeah, happy holidays. Um, oh yes, yeah, I gotta. It's also the eighth night of Hanukkah. I gotta finish the candles afterwards. But um, you know, we had a couple of these meetings during 2019, and I knew in these meetings that I had the opportunity, along with my people at Showtime. Shout out Brian Daly, who I'm working directly with over there. Um, I had the opportunity to work with a storytelling machine like no one's ever seen before. Mm. You know, we're, we're in this, we're still very, I used to beat myself up because I didn't make the career switch early enough. So I was like all competitive with like all the original 30 for 30s. And I was like, oh man, I'm late to the game. I'm late to the game, late to the game. I'm in, I'm in wave two of these directors that get to tell these dynamic sports stories about these individuals or moments in times or teams. And this is part of what I want to do, not all of what I do. Right. All of what I want to do, excuse me. And to be able to work with KG, our energies as hype and uh, excited and passionate as I get, I'm best served to utilize all of these things that are in between my ears and all the right. research I do to get the most out of the subject. And he's the dream is the subject. So we work really well together um in that way when we sit down for interviews or to do some scene work and then of course i mean the rest of the subject matter is i mean it's what it's what formed us it's what we grew up on it's 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 looking at these photos of him in 94 95 and he's wearing the air max barclays and 
if it was a silhouette of him and you saw how low the shorts were, you would have thought it was a Fab Five shot. And it was the connection with the music. And, you know, I could never piece together why a certain um, hip hop song made me feel a certain way in layup lines or whether it was a piece of rock music or whatever it was. But when you have KG say, the beat I was listening to determined the bop I was going to play with. Mm. And you're really putting two and two together for this music basketball convergence and how one side was living, they were living each other's lives congruently. And it's just things like that that come out of him that are just remarkable. And um, uh, again, to tell his story and to look at all of the lanes and avenues that he had to do with the development of or the involvement of. And I don't know how, and I don't, I don't want to turn this into a negative, but I left ESPN on this one and I can't take it anymore. Like I, I just, the debate stuff and they're talking AD versus Giannis and talking about AD's skill set. And they're like, yeah, the only other guy, like, you know, he's, you know, he's, it was, it was something that lessened KG's skill set or AD was like on him on steroids and Stack always says like Anthony Davis is like dunking on steroids and okay, athleticism or explosion, fine. But like, I'm sorry, Anthony Davis can't do some of the things that 2004 Kevin Garnett did with the basketball. no. And we'll tweet out that 15-minute reel on YouTube that I watch every other week for archival ideas to show this guy's skill set and what he could do with and without the basketball, both ends of the sport. Second and none. It was second and none. It's unlike anything we've ever seen before. This sure. guy could pull on shot create whenever he wanted to with his handle. And at one point in time, he couldn't miss. He couldn't miss 18 foot, Eric. At one point yeah. in time, he could not miss an 18. 15 footer for his life coming out of high school. So, Ann Davis and Kevin Garnett, no, no disrespect to any of those guys. You're talking to a bona fide Hall of Famer that changed the game as a power forward from an athletic power four, stretch four. And he was the first stretch four. Right, correct. First stretch four. Right. That's the plate inside. They put, they put Duncan and they put Garnett together. They're both great, but Garnett stretch you out a little more and has more athleticism. But they go with the five titles. They go with Duncan. They go with the safe thing. But I, I love his intensity. I love. Oh, yeah. Hey Eric, I know you did. A, I don't know if that was you, but there was something that Randy showed me on Twitter of a Showtime clip of the documentary coming out of him sitting in the chair, talk about how his experience wasn't coming and getting about it. Oh yeah. That's from our first. Pat Riley. Like, who's this fucking high school kid? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's from our first interview, and that oh, was man. the that was the first look piece that we debuted to media at All Star. So we oh, had this whole oh. thing at All Star with uh, you know the announcement of the launch of Showtime Basketball and the partnership with KG, and then KG uh, on all the smoke, which was unbelievable in front of a live audience, and um those guys connecting like that in such a way was, was thrilling but that interview uh was done a few weeks before and we knew we wanted to have something fresh to show and we told him the things we were going to cover 
but I didn't say to him, you know, give me certain ranges of emotion and things like that. Right. right. He's going to come correct as he, as he does. So right. when we have that moment on set, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like I'm just frozen on his <laughs> eye line, staring at him. And I've got goosebumps everywhere. And I'm literally like flexed out in my seat because I'm so fired. <laughs> And I'm like, did this really just happen? Did he just give us these two stories? First, the pickup game, right, with Michael and Scotty. What a promo! And I don't want, and I don't want to give away too much because yep. it's a big part of the story. And then he talks about his first workout in front of NBA people. And obviously, yep. if everyone, you know, whoever's listening now or is going to listen to this, you can find the clip on Showtime Basketball. And it's just like, and, and I'm like, well, this is this is a hell of a start. This is day one. Day one. So this is the last Friday in January, Friday, January 24th. The next day, Saturday, January 25th, we're on the beach in Malibu at 9 a.m. I'm driving through this thick fog to get out there. And I'm hoping the fog stays. Like, this is like the part of me, Joe, that like, you know, a lot of people don't know. Like at night, I'm like studying, I'm not studying hoop. I'm studying, you know, Christopher Nolan or David Fincher or Stanley Kubrick or Steven Spielberg. And I'm imagining like, what the visual of KG walking out of the fog on the beach in Malibu is going to look like. (laughs) And, you know, of course, by the time we get there, the fog clears. We get some great stuff on the beach. Nonetheless, we got a drone guy there. We're doing all these things. Yeah, and then uh, you know that night we filmed some pretty epic stuff in front of this big roaring outdoor fireplace in Santa Monica, and we're shooting some B-roll, and he's got some just '90s hip hop going, and just in his mode. And it was an incredible start to the project, and it was also. Um, the last day that anything felt normal. I guess the next morning is when Kobe Bryant's tragedy occurred literally wow. 10, 15 minutes away from where we were. Damn. And it was, uh, it was very surreal. And, you know, all-star came right after that, which was magical, but it had such a dark cloud over it. And, um, you know, Kevin, um, was amazing with everything we did, which included uh, going back to Farragut to do some filming, which was very, very special, which you guys will see in the film. But, you know, Joe, it's like, you think about all the years that we spend in this, you know, and, and BG, like, for me, you grow up in parallel with these guys. Right. You know, and Kobe, like I had, this, I had this really, I had this funny idea that I was going to reach out after I met Kobe again on all the smoke, and you know I had the information for his team and everything went so well, you know for years I had this idea like to do this like funny thing about me getting to run the World Basketball Festival clinic with Kobe six weeks after Kobe beat the Celtics in Game Seven. Mm. Like we graduated high school the same year. We wore the same jersey number. Yep. He's one of the gay players of all time. I've That's pursued great. my dreams. I, you know, I'm not speaking about myself in the same ilk as Kobe Bryant, but the parallels are there. And then you get to have these number of experiences. 
And that day at Rucker was so funny because I couldn't tell anybody from my staff or the kids what the surprise was. I had to keep that under my hat. <laughs> but when he came out, my coaches are looking at me like, yo, is he going to lose his mind? Because he right. to and I was real serious. And it was the first time I ever met him before. And it was like a dream being able to, like whenever I would do clinics, especially when it was station work, I'm sh- I'm going station to station to make sure my coaches are good, my kids are good, read the situation. What do we need? Do we need more energy here? Do we need do we need some teaching help? Is a kid having a bad day? Is my coach having a rough day? So that day I got to shadow the greatest technician in basketball do that on the Rockwell Park floor mm. and just teach and pull kids aside. And it was incredible. And to be able to have that life experience again to reconnect and the parallels are incredible. So the KG parallel here is uh it's i keep saying the word surreal but it is and to be able to be in a position to make a powerful film about a guy with a major impact and everybody who we sat down with so far like some guys sit for docs because they kind of have to they feel obligated everybody who sat in that chair man from isaiah thomas who i interviewed recently right after election day which was Mm. unbelievable to you know rondo and pierce and doc but you know like jelani mccoy is in the film because he's a peer of kg from back in the day this guy this guy is is an unbelievable storyteller like he's incredible so you have the you, you unearth these things that you never yeah. would have known otherwise and these stories and um it's magical man magical yo e man we gotta just i mean on this show you know commissioner's corner we, we all about the flowers man and um i mean just to hear you talk about those things and just to be in um and in, in, in the works with kevin garnett and you know working with kobe bryant we, we, we have to say that you are true iconic man and, and you're very very, very motivating to people, man, like us and, and just even the youngest youngsters that are in this, man, because I've seen you in crossing um, when you were at game seven, but to see the things that you're doing now is just like, man, it, it, it kind of makes you feel like there's no limit, right, to what you can do in this business. And I think a lot of times we, we're in a world where people just try to box you in and just say, okay, well, you're the basketball coach and that's what you're going to do for 50 years. And it's yeah. like, come on, you're like, like I'm a basketball coach, but basketball coaches create stories, right? Basketball coaches create characters, right? Because the characters are the players. So we just we just want to give you your flowers, man. Um, before we even go to the next question, but and um, I and appreciate it, that. I appreciate that. And, hey, real real quick, I I I've been around in this so long that I was transitioning out when Game Seven was born. Right. Like before Game Seven was born is when I was doing my work. Like technically, you know. I mean, those are all people I have long relationships with. Like by the time Game Seven was up and running, like I was, I was pretty much out. Like hustle with the camera in my hand, and you make me think of a few things, right? Like everyone assumed, oh, so E is filming and editing, so that's what he's going to do. No, I'm mm-hmm. filming and editing, so I can figure out how to learn how to be a producer, right. a director, right. a creator. You can right. get me there, and um, you know, it's just, it's just it's just crazy how how every step of the way became a building block but 
I appreciate you saying that. No, no problem. So, so like Young says, like to say respect, respectfully, right? Respectfully. Oh, and I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. One more thing before I forget. Okay. So, you, so you're, you, and I, I appreciate the compliments. And you said something that triggered a hilarious story. And you know, wh where can this take me, right? Because I'm not, I'm not settling here. Like, there's no, there's no ceiling. There's no right. limit. Like, I didn't leave basketball. Like, I still get to work in basketball. But I didn't leave basketball to just do sports docs. Like, I want to make big time shit mm -hmm. that you all want to talk about that have an effect on on lives, that have an effect on relationships, that have an effect on our society. Um, you know, this Jersey Ford doc I've been working on for uh, several years that we're finally going to complete in 2021 about the racial profiling uh, incident on the turnpike in 98 and what has and hasn't changed since. But mm. I'm constantly humbled through this incredibly ironic and hilarious situation I'm in. And I don't know if you guys saw this last week. Dead, it was Deadline, and I think Variety had it too. Something I've been aware of for 13 years. There was an announcement of a Kevin Hart Wesley Snipes project last week. Sheesh. With an experienced Hollywood producer and showrunner who also produced and showruns Narcos. Mm. Along with many, many other successful films and shows. You know what his fucking name is? Eric Newman. <laughs> wow. Tough, E. Tough. So, Tough, my really, God. So, so I am getting inundated with screenshots, IG messages, cold call pitches on LinkedIn, mm. blind emails from actors and actresses thinking I'm him. So <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, so, it's weird because we're not. <laughs> yeah, because it's funny story. Funny story. Real quick, let, me wrap, let me just wrap it up. So, yeah. So in 2007, I'm in the movie theater every year. You know, once or twice a year, uh, especially around holiday time. Me and my parents, who are uh, you know still doing well out on uh, on Long Island, we would go to a holiday movie, like whatever whatever we wanted to see. And that's where I get the film and creative bug from my parents. So we're seeing this crazy sci-fi drama called uh, Children of Men with Clive Owen. Really good film. And we always sit for the credits because, you know, if you're a cinephile, that's what you do. So we're sitting for the credits and the credits roll. And in the closing credits, it says produced by Eric Newman. Yeah. And my mom looks at me and she's like, is there something you want to tell us? <laughs> and just with my shit-eating grin, I'm like, one day, one day. Yeah. And and then when Narcos dropped, I mean, you should see the hilarious messages I would get. Like Joe, like our boy Kashif Pratt would screenshot oh, yes. my yes. name on the screen with um with Escobar in the opening credits and be like, I, I, I can't believe you did this and didn't tell me. Like all these right, right. <laughs> and now and now it's full circle again because he's in the press and this guy's done very well. But now it's like, oh wow, like all right, I'm I'm doing some real things, and the competitive, prideful side of me is like, I'm not going to be the other Eric Newman. This no. guy's going to be this guy's going to be the other Eric Newman. But uh, Joe, our boy, um, and then BG, I'll I'll, I'll let you uh, run your show again no. as, I've, as I've hijacked the show. But our boy, uh, our boy Aaron Phillips, put me, him, and. 
the other Eric Newman on the email when this was happening like four years ago. That's tough. And we had a little back and forth and he uh -huh. was in South America or Mexico on location for Narcos. And I never took it anywhere, but now I'm going to, and it's going to be hilarious. That's crazy, man. That's that's a funny story. <laughs> me, me and Joe going through it. And Joe's like, no, BG, that's, that's not that Eric Newman. I'm like, well, uh, Eric. they kind of resemble each other a little bit. I'm like, Joe, I'm like, Joe, I ain't drinking, but they, they kind of, is. you sure that's not easy? Hey, Eric, so we, we're preparing for the show, right, as we always do. And then, you know, Randy's our producer, so we're like, hey, listen, we're going to, let's do our history. on well, We know him in terms of what he does in basketball, what he's done on production. You just still want to be prepared. <laughs> so, so BG stands in our group chat, is this Eric Newman? And he, and he was like, hell no. <laughs> I'm like, I know I wasn't drinking too much. Then he shows a real Eric Newman. He was, and BG's like, oh, I know Eric Newman. I'm like, what the fuck? Fuck with the other Eric Newman coming from. Where the hell? Yo, it was fun. It was so funny, oh, man. man. But now, nah, but 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 oh. even man, like I said, um, respectfully, man, you you have one of to me my favorite, you know, shows out right now with all the smoke, man, and um, you know, salute to you, man, again, flowers to you for that, and um, you know, we we just want to know like how how did the show come about, um, you know, what what was the creative creative content behind, you know, creating a show and you have, you know, two of the most, I mean, trash talking, uh, in your face, you know, co-hosts, how, how did, how did that come about with you guys casting them or, or, you know, directing them to be the co-host? Give us a little bit of spiel of how, to, how that, how that great, um, collage came together. This is one of, I'm going to try to it's one of the best examples of where relationships will get you. Yes. So very quick backstory. Uh, summer of 2016, I start doing uh, this, uh, this role with robot where oh. DraftKings is their client and I'm overseeing the creation of all this athlete video content being done by DraftKings on their platform. So the first thing that I had to do is go to this shoot that was already set up with DeMarcus Cousins nice. in Vegas during summer league for a day on the way to then going to the ESPYs for the whole week doing all this athlete content stuff on the fly. So I go to this shoot with Boogie and his team and it goes great and the piece comes out really well and it goes viral and, you know, did I have a ton to do with it? No, I just started, but it was managing the relationship but I kept the relationship and then fast forward to um, uh, early 2018. I'm on this Turner uh, docu-series down in Atlanta and it's Friday night and I'm watching DeMarcus Cousins on the Pelicans against the Rockets finish up the second triple double of the week. Hmm. He misses a free throw in the closing seconds. He chases the ball down and he unfortunately tears his Achilles tendon. Yeah. So the idea for the resurgence is born that night for me thinking about how do we potentially in some way document the comeback of this guy from this serious industry injury when he was going to get the max as a free agent and now who knows. So the reason why I'm sharing all this is because this helped, this was part of what helped create Showtime basketball along with bringing in quiet storm, the great, our test film done by my friend and colleague, Johnny Sweet, 
along with all the great past pieces of work done by directors that sit under the Showtime basketball umbrella from Kobe Bryant Muse to Iverson to One and Done to Shut Up and Dribble, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm interviewing Matt Barnes for the Boogie film the following fall. And I had seen him on TV with some of his appearance work, but I didn't know a ton about who this guy was other than what I saw on television as a player and a guy that I know I would have loved to have on my team, right? Right. So we have this great interview and he's just, I mean, he's burning and I'm like, I don't know how this guy is giving me this material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is, this is who he is. And we, uh, we probably spent about 45 minutes afterwards talking and I had to go to San Diego that night to interview uh, Coach Mike Malone and Isaiah Thomas, who uh, was on the Nuggets at the time playing preseason game against the Lakers. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of time, but we, we kind of laid this foundation of mutual respect and the interview went really well. And I was really excited about it. And on the way to San Diego, I called, uh, I called my guy, Brian at Showtime. And I said, yo, Matt Barnes is beyond impressive. If we're ever going to build out anything like we, we think we want to, he's a guy you got to connect with. For sure. Left it at that and let him do his thing. So you combine that with the fact that Stack's interview in Quiet Storm is mm. equally as good or better. And Stack and Barnes are tight, and we're friends with the guy that did Quiet Storm. And then it was knowing that, all right, we want to build Showtime basketball, building the Garnett relationship, which at first would ultimately be this feature. What can we create on digital that's going to make an impact that can be really good and really unique? And Barnes and Stack were both doing TV. But nobody would commit to them for anything right. more sizable than these guest appearances. And, you know, like, I'm I, I'm happy to share in some of the credit, but Brian Daly and the people at Showtime for believing that we could build this team around them as the talent, around us as kind of the, the architects and the creative, with an external production partner that's Malcolm Media, Malcolm Sports, who I did the resurgence with, who does a ton of um, Showtime content as well. And we put a plan together and we got Showtime basketball greenlit, all the smoke greenlit. Nice. But we then had to prove that this was going to work. And the surprise to us was as much confidence as we had in ourselves and them and what we were creating, the rapid growth. Yeah. And the pace of the build, we never could have predicted. Mm. But this is how it came about. And and for Matt and Stack, guys who were always being judged from afar, guys that had these labels and so many other guys like them that had these labels, well, it's time for them to have a seat at the table. Yeah. It's time for them to be in front of a microphone. It's time to, for them to tell their stories and to be a vehicle for others to tell their stories and be comfortable with. Right. And that's what we set out to create. And that's what we've created. But between the rapid growth and then just the, the teamwork in the build, but then the pivot to remote when the pandemic hit, that's where we really like that, that that's where the the long term vision started to be formed with where we could take it. We knew we had something great. We knew we had big guests and meaningful episodes. We had Kobe, we had KG, we had Durant, we had Curry all before 
but then to get everybody remote and right. for the audience to be home and be like refreshing the YouTube channel and waiting for the alert and waiting for the midnight drop or the noon drop. Right. And then the way Barnes and Stack engage and obviously their position now in our society as activists mm-hmm. and leaders, this, this show is a dream, man. Yeah. This shows. Yeah. It's, it's and I think for me, the thing I love about it is, right, those are two guys that, like you said again, have had these tags on them as players, as, as kind of people too, right, with, with a lot of adversity that they both had to deal with off the court. And then they now they have the opportunity to control the narrative and, yeah. and, and speak from a player's standpoint when the media kind of controls everything that the player does, right? So, so like now you see Kyrie Irving and all these different people going at it with the media. But I feel like what the show has done is it has made the player not afraid to kind of voice who they are and what they do and, and, and kind of own it. You know what I mean? Because for years, we've always had this question mark about Stephen Jackson and who he was and why did he have so much beef with Greg Popovich and why he couldn't last and all these different things, right? And now you hear them on the show and you see how articulate they are and how passionate they are. But you also see that there was a different version of the story. And I think that's that's what's been so great with all the smoke um, and just a bunch of other things you guys are doing at Showtime Basketball because you're giving the athlete that voice and that stage and platform to kind of say, well, this is me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and um, nobody else is going to voice who I am. This, this is who I am as an athlete. Yeah. And and their, the way they utilize their collective experiences with guests. Right. Right. And know that there's going to be no judgments. Yes. I mean, we had Dwayne, we had Dwayne Wade talking like deep family stuff. Yeah. Right? Man. Yeah. About like yeah. The, the sexuality of one yeah. of his children yes. and Paul Pierce talking about the anxiety and having around the clock security after he was stabbed multiple times 20 years ago and how that stayed with him and made him a gym rat and elevated him, hmm. you know, AD talking about everything that went down with, Golden State and crediting the Warriors for teaching him so much hmm. and Dream and Draymond sharing his side of it and KG sharing magic from his journey and Carrie Champion and Jamel Hill talking about what it's like to be, you know, a, a woman of color in journalism and, and, and yeah. have so many of these criticisms and Joe, like you were saying before, to be constantly placed in a box. We're getting all of these honest and incredible stories. Yes, sir. Um, and and to watch Matt and Stack not just do the show, but like they're learning as they go. They're learning from every guest. We we dropped our Jim Gray episode today uh, earlier, and it timed up really well. With Jim's got a new book out called Talking with Goats, and obviously. He's done work at the NBA with the NBA, of course, as a broadcaster, Showtime Boxing with some there isn't anybody that's worked with as many greats, but like when the show was over, Barnes and Stack were like so excited that they heard all these stories from Jim Gray. Mm. Like they're they're so they're they they come with this confidence and you know, we once you get to a certain level, we've all got egos in certain ways, right? But at the same time, they're so humble. And they want to be coached and they want us to go deep on the prep and they want to have these things at their fingertips. 
And, you know, I had a bit of an established rapport with Matt already. I didn't with Stack. Stack and I didn't meet for the first time until we did like, like really stylized, um, like pre-shoot with like the smoke machine and them in that LA alley and them and doing all that. <laughs> and he and I were just talking ball all day, mm-hmm. all day. And not for one moment. You know, I feel like I was talking to somebody who thought, Oh, all right, I'm the NBA guy. And this is my producer and he works for me. No, like, these guys are so appreciative of the team, the effort, the vision, the passion, and to navigate this year with them, knowing what they've experienced. And Matt's experienced a lot. And, you know, obviously uh, a good majority of the country and the world knows what Stack's experienced. Yeah. Um, it's incredible, man. It's incredible. Hey, I'm going to tell you a secret. So, not going to be a secret it. anymore. <laughs> not, not gonna be a secret today, I'm going to let you know. Um, you've been an inspiration to this podcast in many indirect ways, right? Sure. The reason why I wanted you on today is because I want you to share the story about all the smoke. And what our fans don't know, that me and BG, as much as we don't look like Matt Barnes and, and Stack, <laughs> we wanted to be the new Matt Barnes and Stack. Okay. Um, inspiration, the voice, how they trust each other, how Stack really enjoys working with Matt, and how Matt has taken sure. such a, such a leap in, like I don't want to be like I don't want to say the leader of the show, but more the person like asking the questions and being the person that set the tone, and Stack is pretty much the person that's getting getting the pass and it's like fit in how you get in. Um, so I always admired that dynamic, and that's the reason one of the reasons why I told. BG, I said, listen, BG, we do this. We could probably be the new Matt Barnes and the Matt and the new Steven Jackson of, 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 of podcast work. So I, I commend you on that, but I wanted to let you know that oh, you. Uh, the biggest thing that I love about the show is the, the authenticity. Sure. And the way the dialogue and the way that, that questions are really geared to the to the guest, it doesn't make them feel that they're on stage, even though they're on stage. Um, the way yeah. that the the lighting the the the, the backgrounds and how certain things are kind of laid out for more of a more of a culture standpoint culture so standpoint. so I wanted to tell you that but I think one of the one of the I guess the obviously one of the best shows that were aired and I, I watch every show but I mean just just knowing that Corey Bryan was spoke about earlier uh, I know you had a, a range to go to his house through all the smoke uh, can you educate our fan I know you spoke about it briefly about it but and just remembering Kobe and just honoring Matt and Stack and just what you guys do on that platform. Talk about how that process came along and how does that show now mean to you more ever than what it was originally when it was first taking place? Um, yeah, I mean, no, Kobe was, uh, was at his office. And um, I, I told this story, uh, told this story to somebody last week. Like I've had some, and we've all had like these 24, 48 hour windows where we're like, is this real? Like, is this really happening? Like whether you're in a room with someone doing a show at a game. So in a 24 hour period last December, 
I'm at the Hollywood Arclight premiere of Uncut Gems mm. with the big fella and his team mm-hmm. to going to the after party with the whole world there and like, you know, talking Celtics heat with KG and the truth at the after party for Uncut Gems and like Sandler's like right here, like talking pick up ball. And I had to cut the night kind of early and, and, and limit myself to one beverage because the next morning I had to be up at 6.15 to be at the studio at 7 to drive with Stack and Barnes filming the whole time to shoot the Kobe episode. So you want to talk about a 24-hour window uh-huh. of just this is my, this is my life now. This is, this, is, this, is what, this is where this has taken me. And I was so locked in on making sure we captured this car ride right and the crew was right. I was living through Stack and Matt's excitement around being there with Colt. For sure, for sure. And they are fairly chill and regular with pretty much everybody I've ever seen. KG included, who they never really sat down with before. It had this great pre-session with him to really build. Right. They were like kids at an autograph session when we got to Kobe's office. <laughs> and then they got their game faces on. And it was this incredible, um, however long we went, 40, 45 minutes, because the man only had so much time. This incredible exchange of respect and admiration and humility that I felt it it was so substantive. And um, I know how much Kobe meant to both of them in different ways. Right. And I, you know, listen, you have your feeling about Kobe, BG, you have your feeling about Kobe. I have my unique feelings, stack those bars, does everybody does. There's no comparing them, right? Right. But to know what happened a month later, and to know how people reacted to that episode before he passed and after he passed and what Matt and Stack had built with him over time and then it comes through in that episode. Yep. Man, it was it was it's magical. It's yeah. magical. And I don't know if you guys caught it and it's such a huge opportunity for me. We we had eight um best of episodes that we crafted for network that were on TV. They're on Showtime on demand, cheap plug. So they debuted right after inside the NFL at nine o'clock. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, at 10 o'clock on Tuesdays for eight street weeks. Mm -hmm. And one of them was an episode dedicated to Kobe using clips from that one, but also other guests talking about him sharing Kobe stories. Beautiful. And just to go back and look at it and see it and know where he was in his life post-career right. and the impact he was making on the people directly in his life, starting with his family to people thousands or thousands of miles away. Um, such an inspiration. And the fact that I got to come full circle with the guy after 10 years and tell him like my first experience with him impacted my career path and decision-making and it got me here and I'm doing this show with you today. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't take that lightly. It's humble. It's, it's, it's miraculous. So um, to answer the other part of your question, 
you know, we weren't sure like how this was going to go with me doing the show and the film with the team. Yeah. And I'm so happy I've stayed as hands-on as I have. And I'm so happy that um, it's be- it's become this ultimate team thing. Yep. The prep, the technical, the post, the strategy, the social media, the guys embracing it all, the guests who want to come on. Um, to pair that with my dream basketball project, <laughs> that's crazy at the same time and listen and I, I wanted to I wanted like, to be you for like a day for sure I wanted to be you for a day just to kind of absorb all that and all that energy and all that folklore and all that basketball mm. renaissance in front of you right like we always speak about basketball in the highest in the highest um, wording in terms of mecca basketball but being around even even putting Matt Barnes and Stack and Kobe in that same realm is like it's still to us as regular people, basketball echelons, right? And for you to be around that and experience that in the most humblest way is is where I want to share with you one day. If I could be a fly on the wall, that would be the absolute time for me to be flying the wall to see sure. how you guys regular. Oh, yeah. well, we, we gotta, yeah, we gotta for sure, for sure. And listen, like there's so many stories to tell, right? And like, mm-hmm. you know, especially where we're from, right? Like I consider myself like I'm an honorary member of New York City basketball. For, for those that accept me, like I wasn't wasn't born in the city. Oh, honorary. I was, I was born with the influence of the city. I was born yep. coming into the city from 20 miles away. I wasn't coming into the New York City that became safe for people in the late 90s and 2000s. I was coming into 1987, 88, 89 New York City with my parents to get to a museum or a show or a movie or a bookshop and get that taste of culture or go into Borough Park with my dad to see uh, grandma when she was still alive, which my grandma passed away that side of the family in 92. I was going to Borough Park and like New York was in a rough place, man. And then you connect basketball with it and you connect the history you're learning about. And that starts to become slowly but surely part of your part of your dna um and then to want to live here get the opportunity to do it um and then be be welcomed the way i was welcomed because all i wanted to do was coach teach the game and 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 the, the principles and the foundation of the game like either whether you're from the country the suburbs or the city like that that's a language that you can speak anywhere so sure. the fact that I spoke that language and um, as some people would say, had a little bit of a, of an edge to me and, and a fire to me, um, it, it, it worked. And there's so many New York stories to tell. So to come full circle, Joe, our job in 2021 is to figure out, all right, how do we tell a story together? Right. So, and, then, uh, and then you're more than a fly on the wall. So <laughs> I'm down. You know, you know how to find me. I'm down. I, I know how it goes. But yeah. um, before we yeah. go into rapid fire, I know BJ has one last question, and we'll go into rapid fire. So, E, man, again, you know, we just wanted to to, to, to hear from the man behind the lens, the man behind the creativeness. And um, this this has been excellent, man, because a lot of times, you know, uh, just, just the, the faces are the ones that are glorified. But 
we don't we don't give a lot of time. We don't give the, the flowers to the people that are behind what's going on. So it, it's been great, man, to just hear the stories of, of what you have going on. But we're, we're excited to hear. Um, can you give us a little intel about um, what you have coming up for 2021? And um, what are some of the things that you may be working on? Um, just give us, I know you talked about the KG thing, but give us a little bit more insight about maybe some of the things that the big dog Eric Newman has coming up for, for 2021. I am now the big dog. Big, big Glenn dog. Robinson fan, by the way. Big dog. That's a throwback name. That's a throwback yeah. name. Yeah. Listen, man, that's, that's the first big three. Yo, yo, can you imagine? Can you imagine what Glenn, yo, can you imagine what Glenn Robinson would do in the NBA today with these? Oh, wow. Are you kidding me? Oh, you kidding me? Oh, and I'm glad his, I'm glad his son is stuck in the league. But yeah, yeah. Michigan. Yes. Glenn Robinson is sad. Are you kidding me? So. You know, BG, I'm really, uh, I'm really hard on myself. I'm really competitive with myself. So, like, I'm, tr I try to set the table as much as I can for what's far in front of me. But it's been, it's, it's been so busy in a good way where right. I'm figuring out what projects I want to do next. But I have the luxury of knowing all the smoke is a major uh, point of concentration, part of my job, building the Showtime basketball platform is part of my job. Um, so, you know, more doors are opening more than ever, but I'm also trying to be like very, very selective with what I get into next because the Garnett film should be needs to be and will be um, a, a tremendous piece of work, but it, it it's hard to think about other things right? other than what's right in front of me. So I have a slate that I'm constantly tinkering with when I have time, but making KG the best it could be, figuring out what else we're going to do with him on the digital platform is something that's in the works. Building all the smoke, building some properties off the Showtime digital platform, off of all the smoke. You'll see a new segment come out from us um, with the guys next week for the launch of the season, which is, is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, finishing the Jersey 4 film, which we're partnering with. Um, they haven't done a release yet, but we're partnering with uh, RTG Ventures uh, to finish that film. Um, I just finished a short film about... Uh, some special stuff going on in Yonkers with mm. um, football serving as the bridge between law enforcement and community. So nice. Nice. for me, it's figuring out um, when can this exciting roller coaster I'm on, when is the right overlap with the scripted world to get some of my ideas moving at a quick pace there? Right and figure that out because fellas, the other Eric Newman is out there. He's got to know. You're going to pass him. You're going to pass him. Listen, you're going to pass you know, you know, out of all seriousness, like, you know, I'm driven by the game and stories around the game and Showtime basketball platform. Like if you told me, Eric, you're going to build this platform with the team over there at Showtime for the next five years as a major part of your job, then I'm thrilled at the same time. Like, you know, I'm a filmmaker and a storyteller too. So right. what are the other things that I want to do 
in unscripted and scripted that makes sense that could piggyback off of what I'm doing now. And I'm figuring it out. But as far as social justice, equality, activism, and the historical lens behind all that, those stories and some things that have occurred real life in our society greatly interest me to uh, influence scripted work. So those are some of the things that really inspire me. And, you know, and then I'm inspired by, you know, other films and filmmakers and I'm still honing the craft. I'm still going back to pieces of work that either inspire me or things that I've done that I want to improve upon. So um, I'll have more for you soon. Hey, before, before Joe goes into rapid fire, right? I ain't even tell yeah. Joe this, right? But I got something for you, man. I started writing a little, this is like two years ago. I wrote a little script called The Handler, man. It's, it's like blue chips on steroids. So I might, I might have to, I might have to email it to you. I, I think, I think okay. it might like the showtime. I always tell people I'm happy to read their stuff, whether it goes anywhere after that. I can't, I can't comment or promise. <laughs> right. But, but if you put time and thought into something and right. you grace me with the privilege of reading it, of course, I will hopefully have some notes that will help you but at the same time i'm getting better because i'm reading a piece of original work and i'm absorbing that so anytime you want to send that um i'm happy to read it for sure well since since we're dropping dimes today on live on live radio let me ask you i'm gonna tell you as much as i miss playing ball man (laughs) i want to tell you what i want to tell you Um, i'm just throwing a really good like pick and roll bounce pass to somebody like Fuck, I need to hoop, man. Badly. <laughs> so I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this that um, I wanted to let you know. First of all, I, I really want you to let Matt and, and Stack know that we got we got mad love for them and we respect sure. them. And part of for that sure. part of the is that. Two, um, I, I mean, I know BG's on here, but Hoops in the Sun. I'm trying to look for. I'm trying to do a documentary. Yeah. So uh, I'm 21 years in the game, so I know somebody that knows somebody <laughs> that knows Eric Newman that can, you know, we could talk offline, but that was my goal today to get you, let you know. Really- <laughs> there you go. You, you know, you've, been, you've been capturing tape for 20 years? You got 20 years of tape? Eric, I have VHS tapes, my Jeez. brother. I had the tapes. They take up a lot of room, bro. They take up a lot of room. My brother has you the whole I have a storage at the beach. That's crazy. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put you in the fire now. But I'm gonna let you know. This thing about that is an opportunity that we can kind of divulge in respectfully. But now I'm gonna put you in the corner. Ask you a question because I, I really want to know. I want my fans to know you more, and I want to get to. So you're giving me. You're giving me the rapid fires the way we do the the quick hitters on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You ready? Oh, like like I wasn't gonna catch up. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm in the stance. I'm in the stance. And, and before I do that, the producer said. You're big on stats, right? So I got a, I got a history stat today. Okay. Today makes Kobe Bryant's debut versus Michael Jordan 96. Mm. Kobe, Kobe had five points and MJ had 30. And today marks Kobe Bryant's second matchup versus and Michael Jordan in 97 when Kobe had 33 and Mike had 36. Wow. wow. That's tough. That's tough, so, Randy. Rest in peace, Kobe, and your family. You are always uh, in our thoughts, and you make basketball much better than it was or what it is. So thank you for being our life. 
Um, so, so I want to share that with you. So right into the into the into the commissioner corner. Here we go. Eric Newman, what is your best hip hop R and B album of all time? Ooh. See the see the face, BG. The, oh. the, 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 <laughs> it's so the funny. You know, it's so funny that I I you know I do these for all the shows for all the smoke. Ah. <laughs> I tell you, we, we are the new stacking Matt Barnes. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. learn fast. Yes, yes. Uh, come on, E. We got to put you got to put the clock on E. New. Come on, E. It's tough. It's tough. All time. Hip hop or R&B? Still I might be. It still might be. Uh, it's either the tribe album, mm. which one? Uh, beats life, beats life and times. Got you. Oh, that's tough because it was such a big part of my teenage years. Oh, or it's Biggie ready to die. Mm. Oh man, can't go wrong. Can't go yeah, wrong. so I listen to a lot of I don't listen to a lot of new stuff, right? I listen okay. to a lot of old stuff. And my appreciation for the old stuff grows every time I'm able to shut off the noise and just put an album on on the soundbar and just let it play. And through, I've been through quarantine, and I know this is rapid fire, but through quarantine, when I got to get the at-home workout in, that's what I do. I just put it on, let it go, and then I'm just I'm just doing the crunches and the push-ups oh. and the and the jumping jacks and the squats. And and Joe, you'll love this. I lay on the floor doing form shooting. Straight up in the air. <laughs> classic. That's yeah. classic, man. Oh, you gotta hold it up. Got it. Yeah, so, yeah, you in the corner. Um, no, no pressure, man. And, and we don't want to, we don't want you to get a uh, slave by KG on this one. You know what I mean? What's your favorite sneaker of all time? Hmm. My favorite figure? Sneaker. 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 Oh, sneaker. Lifestyle sneaker. on the on the court and off the court. Mm-mm. Off the court, it's the Jordan One or the Jordan Three. Mm. Mm. Ah, you know, I've become—I was really superstitious as a athlete and a coach, and then I lost it along the way. A little, but I've got a pair of Jordan threes. It's the grays that came out with the hints of the lime green on them. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. classic. I wear those for every interview with KG. Because mm. I'm superstitious as fuck. And the first time I interviewed him, which created that great clip, I was wearing those, and now I won't right. interview him without them. Mm. Uh, so those are the off on. You know, when I played, I was you know, I'm a suburban Long Island kid, so we were. Like Nike team shoes. Mm-hmm. Like my coach was very old school, so my coach was coached by Stan Van Gundy. So, uh, and B.J. Armstrong gave me the green light. I'm, I'm, he gave me the approval. I'm part of the Van Gundy coaching tree. So <laughs> part of that comes from like this, like old school mentality where everyone wears the same sneakers, and it was like that era. So, I'd have to say, the best thing I've played in. post high school college is the original hyperfuse 
was my favorite sneaker to play in from summer. And I still have at least three pairs of those in the closet and I'll never get rid of them. Super light. Those are super light. They feel like a slipper. Super light on the feet. And there was nothing that felt light about how I played. And for everybody watching this who knows me, knows that, you know, foot speed was not one of my gifts. But man, those made me feel quick. Yeah, those are tough. They were great. They were great. I love them. I love them. I never played in like I never played in Jays. I never like I didn't come from means where I could have those shoes as a kid. Um, one of the great hookups I ever got in the industry was when we were doing stuff with Converse, and they sent me a pair of the weapons, mm. like the Larry Bird weapons, which are still in my closet. Classic. I'll never forget the first time I wore those out to a bar. Man, that was that was a fun night. <laughs> uh, so, so, so keeping an NBA. I was weaponized. I was weaponized. <laughs> no looks at the bar. Best, Don't fall for that, BJ. All time. I know that's not on your list, but I'm adding one. I'll yeah, still I'm put Larry Bird as the best passer of all time. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so then answer me this. I, I know your favorite. I'm assuming your favorite NBA team is the Boston Celtics of all time. Correct. Correct. There's no. There's no second place. I can't ask you that because I already know the answer. So who's your favorite your favorite player all time? Either you watched or followed. That's tough. So as a as a kid, it was Bird. Okay. Like I was a Larry Bird aholic, Celtic aholic, and grew up learning what Celtics Lakers meant, like why it was important. And my dad's a Celtics fan. He grew up in Brooklyn. There were only eight teams in the NBA when he grew up. He got to the garden once for a doubleheader. So back then, if you have a doubleheader at the garden, which happened often, you have half the, t- half the league in the building at the same time. They're only 18. So he saw the Celtics pre-Russell with Kuzi and Charmin, coached by Auerbach. Auerbach, too, from Brooklyn. Same heritage, same background. And he passed it on to me. And I, I just, watching Bird was incredible. But then as a young adult and adult, you know, KG and Pierce, Tough. Here's from day one of the Celtic, and then following KG and Soda. Just there were a certain amount of guys in the league on other teams I love to watch. He was one of them. Um, and then of course when he comes to the Celtics, it's just like it's 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 incredible to look at this guy's really? career impact he had on the team. But yeah, those are those are my guys. Those are my guys for sure. For sure. Oh, now, this this ain't on it, and Joe, and Joe always gets mad when I when I kind of add a rapid fire because sometimes I got a to BG. Okay, I my, other, my other, but my other, just for a little history okay. perspective, and I know the hardcore hoopers who listen or watch this will appreciate this. Two of my favorite players as a kid were taken from us the same summer, way too young. And that's Reggie Lewis, and that's Jonathan Petrovic. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, Reggie was my guy. Reggie became captain after Larry retired. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So when Reggie passed away, man, I, I, I either wore his jersey or had that thing tucked into my champion shorts like every day. Yeah. Every day. He was my guy. And then Jonathan, me, you know, growing up on Long Island, and we finally get uh, cable, I think, in eighth grade. Hmm. I had that ugly brown cable box with the switcher to the different <laughs> level. Yeah. 
And every NBA night, my dad and I are trying to decide, all right, the Knicks are better, right? But the Nets games were Kenny. that much more exciting because of Kenny and DC and Draws. And, you know, we couldn't stand the Knicks, Celtics fans. So down the stretch every night, if the, the Knicks were handling people, we're going over to Sports Challenge. And we're watching just the drama of Draws and Petrovic on film. And I just I, – I loved watching this guy play so much. Yeah, so those brilliant. were some of the other guys that I loved. Sure. Yeah. That's, the best I, that's the best Nets jersey of all time, too, man, for me. And, and, and it's going to come back out this year. It's coming yeah. back out. And one brother, the 30 for 30, that's about Drazen and Vlade. Like, great story from my journey. <clears throat> that's when I'm doing – basketball reviews of every you know hbo was putting stuff out 30 for 30 everything that came out i'm doing reviews and they're going on timemag.com so i watched once brothers and when it ended i broke down and cried Mm. because of how much it reminded me of my childhood, how much I appreciated everything my parents had done for me, those nights watching with dad. Mm. And I write the review and it's very personal. And I'll never forget, uh, Joe, you remember what the inside of the old dime office looked like? Looked like kind of like an, a, 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 an abandoned kind of warehouse. So I'm sitting in, uh, a little office doing some work yeah and we had just dropped the the review came out like maybe the day before it wasn't a big deal cbs sports took five of the most like unique reviews of the film and packaged them into an article and tweeted it out oh, and all of a sudden aaron phillips in the other room newman get in here you're famous mm. and my review was the first on the list oh, of once brought it was simply because they shared what the film meant to me and the the magic of social and digital media. So hmm. there's another there's another tangent for you. That's dope. So so again, um, I got I, two more. I got two more, uh, and I got a surprise for him. Hold on, I got one for you. Go go go, partner. Mount Rushmore of film directors or creative content. Ooh, that was a good cool one. That's a good cool one. Come on, Joe. I'm, I'm being That's you, a baby. Good one. Damn, that's a good I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Mount Rushmore's of directors. There you go. Like, like I'm not gonna go documentaries. I'm gonna go directors. Good one, BG. So this is tough. <laughs> I know it. So can I? How do we doing that bourbon? How we doing that bourbon? Okay. Can I go two Mount Rushmores? You could. The first Mount Rushmore is Alfred Hitchcock, Stanley Kubrick, Steven Spielberg, and Martin Scorsese. Period. Mm. For me. Mm. Mm. So I grew up watching all these Hitchcock films when I was young. I'm trying to like decipher the genius. And then wave two of that is. <clears throat> Quentin Tarantino has had a huge effect on me. It's like I have a story for every answer, so I'll give you the Tarantino story in a second. (laughs) Quentin Tarantino, Spike Lee, 
Christopher Nolan, mm. and it's probably a tie somewhere, but yeah, Michael Mann, Heat, Ali, The Insider, mm. or David Fincher, Zodiac, Seven, Social Network. Tough, tough. I study, study all these guys, and thank goodness you have so much on YouTube now to watch and absorb. Like, you have a yeah. free film education. But um, Tarantino. That's my guy. The summer of 2009, when Inglorious Bastards came out, you know, it's the summer before World Basketball Festival. I'm still teaching to pay the bills. I'm still doing clinics. I'm coaching. But I'm 31 and I'm starting to like get impatient with myself. I'm starting to doubt whether I'm going to make it in basketball. What am I doing? And Tarantino's doing the press tour for Glorious Bastards, which, you know, somebody who grew up uh, with a Jewish heritage, that film changes your life. It's you know, the ultimate, you know, what if revenge story. If you haven't seen it, well, go see it. So it's no longer a spoiler. But he does Charlie Rose. And he's talking about the career choices and lifestyle choices he made so he could become not Reservoir Dogs Tarantino, not Pulp Fiction Tarantino, but Tarantino. He could keep working, pick his projects, mm. build his teams, and achieve his lifelong work. And he talked about the choices, and he talked about putting relationships on hold, and he talked about not wanting to make BG's script or Joe's script or Eric's script, but starting with his own blank canvas and creating from there. And in that moment, I'm like, that's what I want to do. Sure. That's the road for me. I want to craft these visions and build these teams and create this magic. I don't know how I'm going to get there, right? but I'll put a relationship on hold or I'll stop dating for a year or I'll stop going out as much. Because when I started to sacrifice tonight to benefit tomorrow, instead of staying out till two or three, instead of going home at 11 or 12, that's where the improvements were made. That's where the evolution happened. I used to love to go out and have a good time. There's Jules. a lot of people watch, watch that this. Was Jules. Probably know or probably but until you start to really like get mind and body and rest and focus in play, and I'm just listening to the master Tarantino talk about this. I'm like, well, he can do it. Why can't I fucking do it? Right. Yeah. Never going to compare myself to that man. That man's a genius. Spike Lee, do the right thing. 25th hour, Black Klansman, everything else before, after, in between. Mm. How yeah. can I learn from this guy? Yeah. So you asked for one Mount Rushmore, and I like to over deliver. I gave you two. Appreciate you. I got you. I got you. Um, quick, quick hitters. And uh, favorite, favorite NBA city to visit pre-COVID. Boston, LA, split down the middle. Got you. LA has been so. LA has been so good to me. And I didn't go to LA at all when I was young. It's been so good to me. I became bi-coastal through this work. I'm going to spend a lot of 2021 out there. And then I saw some epic games and had some epic nights in Boston, along with being on the wrong side of history at LeBron's 45-20. Next. Favorite movie, show, or documentary for you all time? So not fair. 
I'm the guy that has 25. All the smoke. It is top five. All <laughs> the smoke, yeah. All the smoke, baby. Name my own. Um, hmm. What's my favorite show of all time? I haven't thought about that recently. Okay. Back in the day, it was 24. Okay. Before, before I, TV changed my- and streaming came in, it was 24. As much as I love Curb, and the Sopranos, like I was a 24 guy. That for me was everything. I felt like I was watching a movie every Monday night. Sure. Well, for me, it's, it's uh, Denzel's performance in Training Day. Oh, yeah. My favorite movie of all time. Um, the performance DiCaprio did in the, in the Departed. And I would say my favorite uh, movie would be Departed and Training Day. My favorite show would be Breaking Bad. All time, just all time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, documentary. Uh, I know the Iverson you, you did was great. I know our test was awesome. Well, I, I, I can't take credit for Iverson, but Showtime, well, I'm Showtime, Showtime, yeah, Showtime. Showtime. Yep. Our test. Kenny story was great. Kenny Anderson's story was great. Um, Chibs. Chibs is awesome. Um, and and I mean, there's a bunch of there's a there's so many out there. I just think those are like relative to me because. You know, I just turned 42, so my time frame is within that time frame of Kenny yeah. and Artest and those guys. And we mentioned earlier how we grew up in parallel to them, right? Like, I'm yeah. in that Dirk Nowitzki conversation, like seeing those guys come from babies to pups to become grown men and yeah. legends. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, for me, uh, I mean, Celtics Lakers was so special because of what it meant in the lineage of the game and what my basketball foundation was built on. So that's one of my favorite docs. Once Brothers is also one of my favorite docs. Um, films. Inglorious Bastards is one of them. Um, you know, you talk about Denzel in Training Day is such a great example, Joe, of the connection you have between uh, an incredible performance in a film. And that connection for me dates back to something my father showed me as a kid that I've studied as an adult. And that's on the waterfront, starring the great Marlon Brando, who of course is in the Godfather. Um, that performance in that film is for me so moving and so incredible. And it's filmed on the docks of Hoboken and um, classic, you know, 1954 film noir that really set the stage for great performances in Hollywood. Um, Goodfellas, of course, is up there. For sure. And there's 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 so many films: the Hitchcock films, the Kubrick films. Um, Jaws for me is a top five film. So that you know, my childhood in a big way. And then, um, you know, another film that I forgot that I love so much. I watched it recently because of the passing of Sean Connery. Uh, I grew up watching all the Sean Connery Bond films. Yeah. Which really shaped my childhood. But the most influential film that Connery was in that uh, I saw, and it was one of the most influential moments of my childhood, is uh, my father took me, my, my father should have his head examined for this. And thankfully, him and my mom don't really know how to consume digital media. But my father took me to see The Untouchables in the movie theater in 1987 when I was nine years old. Yeah. (laughs) And if you see The Untouchables, a nine-year-old should not be seeing that in the movie theater, especially one that idolized Sean Connery as James Bond. And 
thought that that character can't die. And if you've seen The Untouchables, uh, we eventually know what happens to the character. So I rewatched it with a uh, full bottle of, uh, of bourbon, which wasn't full by the end. I must have cried four or five times going back to my childhood. But that film is made by another great director, Brian De Palma, uh, who I also idolize, and it's a masterpiece. So I know I just uh, got off a bunch of shit for you. It's well, I'd say this about me. My father, uh, you know, God rest his soul, every Thanksgiving or holiday, it was like it was like a necessity to watch um, The Godfather, all of them, in one shot. Goodfellas and all this stuff, and I'm like, Coffee. is this the kind of movie you played during the holidays? And he was like, this is a, this is a history lesson, and you're supposed to understand what's going on. This yeah. history lesson, so pay attention because it's five hours. I'm like, five hours. Yeah, and and like, yeah. And oh my God, this is crazy, you know. But it was it was it was at the right time. Maybe I wasn't prepared for it, but it was the right, you know, the right cinema for what we were going through at the time and. Sure. What we eventually go into. So, I mean, I, I attest to you in terms of your childhood and your upbringing because I was not voluntarily chosen, but I was kind of like mandated to watch these shows because these are like folklores and sure. movies that are supposed to be part of your, your childhood and your history. No, they're part, of, they're, part, they're part of your fabric, right? Like, I remember after I saw The Godfather for the first time, which was, um, I think, around sixth or seventh grade. Yeah. I couldn't learn enough about the things that were in the film, whether it was the history of New York or the mafia or Italian Americans or whatever it was. And I became this sponge for history and like, you know, 70s films, Dirty Harry set in San Francisco, the French connection set in Brooklyn and, and also in Harlem and in France with Gene Hackman is one of my favorite films. And when my dad would drive us into Borough Park, I was always asking him if that was the subway station where the famous chase scene started. And there are all these things that are woven into our fabric from our upbringing and films for me is such a big thing. So, you know, mean streets and raging bull and taxi yeah. driver, like, like yeah. I had a course, I have a drawer full of DVDs that range from Hitchcock stuff of the fifties to Kubrick in the sixties to right. great seventies films through 2000. So, you know, it, it's, and people laugh at me like you still have DVDs. Like not <laughs> everything epic you can stream, and there are some stuff that I want to watch. And my father started a film collection when I was a kid. Father's got three thousand movies in the house. Dang! Like without a catalog system, it's just guesswork at this point. You know what I mean? But it was born on <laughs> laser. It was born on video disc. Then it went to VHS and beta. Then it became DVD. So. Yep. The, fav the the favorite film performance question is just it's so loaded. Uh, you walked in you walked into a trap there. <laughs> so I I got a piece of um his well piece of um I say material to show you that I wanted to pay homage to you, but I had to ask you this question first. You got to start, bench, and cut these people, okay? Larry Bird, Kevin Garnett as a Celtic, Paul Pierce. Who are you starting? No, 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 no. I don't want to hear that shit. No, no, no. Start, bench, and cut those three players. Go. <laughs> I had to come up with a question like yours. I'm going to start. That's not fair. I'm going to start. 
bird because by the time I got <laughs> She's going to be a burning furnace of fury, and I'm going to cut Pierce because yeah. it's going to make it better, just like dropping to 10th in the draft, and it'll ultimately be good. That would have been my face. Yep. Hey. I, was hope, I was hoping it's different, Eric, because I had a surprise for you. So I, I have an authentic Celtic, you know, Paul oh. Pierce sign oh. that I wanted to show you. I had a homage for you because I know you're a Celtic fan, and my oh, brother's a big fan. It's still my guy, though. It's still my guy. There you go. Dancing answer your question for real, I'm starting all three of them. And I'm changing <laughs> your- you can spot five. And then, and, and then I'm finishing out and then I'm finishing out. So if, if you're talking about like the all-time Celtic lineup for me, yes. right? It's those that, three yeah. those three guys. And then it's Antoine Walker? No, no. I mean true. you know Mikhail? I'm either I'm either going to go big with Mikhail. Yeah. And that's the front line. I mean, all respect in the world to Bill Russell, but Bill Russell is, you know, 6'8", generously. <laughs> um, and then I think, I think one of the most underrated Celtics of all time who uh, you could put in the backcourt with Pierce at the two is the late, great Dennis Johnson. Mm. Tough. That guy, tough. I you don't you don't need another shot creator on that team, even though DJ no. can do that. You need a you need a clutch player who could defend the other player's best perimeter player, be incredibly clutch, and he's a great player. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a three time champ. He won a Finals MVP with the Sonics in uh, the late seventies, and. Uh, yeah, he was one of my favorites as a kid. So, Ray Allen, Rondo, like great players. JoJo White, Nate Archibald, who we love from New York. Ozzy, but man, DJ was tough. DJ was yeah. tough. Solid. Two way player. Two way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, this what is you got? What you got? You got one more? I, 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 ran out of, I ran out of my questions. I don't know if BG has any more questions. BG, any more rapid fire questions? Well, for rapid fire? I, ran out. I, got one for, I got one for you guys. I got one for Go you guys. Go ahead. Who is your... Who are you asking first? I'm asking you first, then BG. <laughs> BG, what, BG what, what neighborhood did you grow up in? LES, man. Louisa. Louisa. So Joe first, then BG. Yeah. Who is your all-time New York City starting five? Oh, come on, E. Uh, not, not who played for the Knicks or who played for St. John's. They had to play high school and or AAU ball here. Mm. Mm. All time. All time. Or or your 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 team bring them to the park to beat anybody. Who's your New York five? Bro, come on, E. Couldn't help myself. Had to flip the switch. Had to flip the New York ties in I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring Mike Glover as my small as my small forward. What? I love Mike respectfully. What you have what you had before Mike Glover? I'm talking hey, about let him go. Listen, okay, all right. This is go. don't interrupt me. Okay, I'm gonna go Here's pull up. Here. I'll do I'm my team. Up. I'm pulling up with Mike Glover. I'm gonna pull up with Kenny Satterfield. 
I'm gonna pull up with John Strickland. I'm gonna pull up with DP. I like John Strickland. And I'm gonna pull up with Keidran Clark. And then if I can bring a sub, and I don't like to use the word sub with this with this, this individual specifically, is Dwight Hardy. I just gotta find a place for him. That's it. So I will go with. I will go. Kiki. Uh, I will go with Satterfield. Glover. I will go with uh, DP and Strick. And then my, my, my reserve would be Dwight Hardy. And now I could change anybody else in, in between that. So I don't right, mean no more. Right, ready? I'm going. This is quick. Kenny Anderson. Stephon I'm, Marbury. Yeah, you went all the way back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, these is legends, man. Yeah. I mean, it's an open question. What I've, I've seen it live. What I've, I've seen, seen that live. Felipe Lopez. Lamar Odom. And Ron Artest. Okay. So let me change this up. We yeah, got I've seen Ron Artest. Quick, did you watch the Ron Artest old smoke? I, didn't I went to high school, Ron. I went to high school, Ron, and Shamgard. So I seen that live and direct. I thought you meant like. Did you watch Ron on all the smokes? I, I I did I did it here and there. I haven't finished it. Right, yet. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Go to all the smoke tonight, and just promise me you'll text me or email me afterwards. Go to the twenty minute mark, and just watch him tell the story about wanting to be drafted by the Knicks and what happened. It's the funniest shit. You've ever heard in your life. That's all I gotta say. I'm gonna test to Kenny Anderson. I'm gonna test to Lamar. Stefan. But I will go with more Sham Guard for me because I shame Sham more than and I'm not saying Kenny or I mean not saying Sham or Kareem is better than the other. I will go with Sham, Kenny, Lamar. I will go with um Felipe, of course, and I will go with in terms of all time, I will go with um I don't know who my big man would be, but I will go with probably who, who's your big man, BG? Who you said? I had Ron with them. Ron and I'll go Ron because I went to high school with Ron. So I'll go. I have Elton Brand. I didn't see Elton Brand play in person, but yes. Elton Brand, Elton Brand did a lot of work in New York. He did. He did. Um, who's yours, uh, Eric? You put me on the spot. Well, considering I didn't get to watch these guys in person growing up, I was thinking about, you know, the guys that just left their imprint and then went on to do incredible things in the league. So, you know, the guys you mentioned, Joe, I saw all those guys play in different leagues and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But you think about the depth of talent that has come from here. Yeah. And you think about the Mark Jackson's and Jamal Mashburn's and Chris Mullins and Lou Cinder. So if I'm naming an all-time team, and there were guys that played back in the 50s and the 60s who were unreal. Like, people don't give them enough credit because the game wasn't that athletic back then or whatever. Like, these guys were like, a guy like Billy Cunningham, who grew up in Brooklyn, who won championships with the Sixers as a player or the coach, was a complete stud. But, no, if I'm putting a team together and you're telling me I could have Lou L. Sidner, Connie Hawkins, you know, Bernard King, 
Mash and Mark Jackson or, or any of the guards? There are so many. I was just curious to hear what you guys were doing. Yeah, you put so, Monster Mash out. Great. You put Monster Mash. Well, I'll, never, I'll, never, I'll, never, I'll never forget. I'll never forget walking into the Gauchos and seeing those banners, and you got Mulberry, Mashburn, yeah. Mullen, Pinkney, Rod Strickland. And then, you know, what Lloyd Daniels would have been if yeah. somebody had helped keep him on a straight line and the guy still ends up in the league. So, you know, um, you know, the, the greatest high school player I played against was uh, Zendon Hamilton, who ended up at St. John's and in the NBA. Yep. And uh he put 40 plus on us, but we beat him in overtime on a Friday night. And, uh, I was, that was quite a memory out in the, out in the burbs back in the nineties. So, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm so proud to have been able to work in this space and connect with yeah. people like yourself and be right. whatever part of this history and lineage as a storyteller. And I want to tell stories about, um, what the game has meant to New York. And I think we've only scratched the surface. I think there's different ways to do it, different things to be developed. And uh, hopefully over time we can do it, but shout out to New York city basketball, because without it, you know, I don't meet you guys and I'm not sitting here now being able to work on all these special things I've been able to do. So I greatly appreciate that for sure. Likewise, Eric, man. So um, I just wanted, first of all, from myself, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, so much, so much history, so much conversation, so much things that were untold, kind of came to surface. And I wanted to thank you for sharing that with us, and just, just want to commend you for the work that you do in terms of the basketball space and allowing us to, even through the pandemic, to provide content for us to, you know, kind of get us through this tough year. And and, and with NBA on the horizon, you know, um, sometimes we forget what we went through, and then those stories and documentaries and features you put out in terms of on that space allows us to, you know, get be have a getaway. So thank you for that. And I would just want to thank you for sharing some time with me and BG on on this new platform that we've decided to kind of give a voice to the voiceless and also give flowers to the ones who deserve it. And people may not know you, may, I don't know what who what rock they're living on, but tonight we want to make sure that um we give you your flowers like BG said and also let the world know that what you're doing and 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 giving back to the culture that gave to you so much. So we thank you and salute you, my brother, for doing, you know, God's work. I uh, appreciate that, guys. That means a lot. And, um, you know, it's been quite a year. And to be able to continue to do the work through this is um, I'm very fortunate, but I've also been very isolated. So to get to have these conversations and connect, uh, it, it means a lot. Thank you both. And, uh, yeah. Let's 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 do it again soon. You got to come up with some sort of basketball movie special where we can just plug in on shit. And, no uh, problem, definitely. But I, I'm gonna hold you to my documentary, so I'm gonna call you off this and, and catch you off. And you know, maybe get, when you get off, the, get the materials know. together. Just get the materials. Together. Say less. When say I less. Off, when I get off, when I get off the KG train, which will hopefully be going for quite a while. Hey, sure. take time on that train because we're moving to the train and watch that watch that ride. So thank you for that and. Uh, Eric, uh, have a blessed holiday, man. Be safe. Uh, we you wish too, you the best, brother. And anything you need from me and BG or Randy, is, we're just one call away. And we appreciate you, brother. So stay in it. And um, God bless you and your family, right? Peace. Thanks. Thank you, too, Randy. Later, fellas. All right, brother. Yes.
So uh, we just sat with our boy, Eric Newman, producer, director, and content creator, uh, and also the executive producer for the new Showtime Basketball Initiative, uh, All the Smoke. So please follow him. And Eric, while you, we, we still have you on, <laughs> we'll know where to follow you at on social media so they can and stay tuned with you at coming up. Yeah, I got a lot of social media catching up to do. So uh, Instagram, I turned into more of the film side, at Enu Films, E-N-E-W Films. And Twitter, I am still at Coach Enu, the original Coach moniker. So Twitter, at Coach Enu, Instagram, Enu Films. All the smoke, catch the audio on uh, iHeart and the Black Effect, and of course the video, uh, Showtime Basketball YouTube, and follow us on Twitter, at Showtime Basketball, Showtime Sports, IG, at Show Basketball, and at All the Smoke as well. So. Appreciate that, guys. We got a great lineup coming up during holiday week. Stay tuned for those drops and uh, more in the new year. So I'm going to go watch some hoop. Appreciate you, fellas. Uh, Talk soon. Love you. Everybody, please follow Eric Newman on all social media channels. You can follow us on at Commissioner Corner on IG and on Twitter. Uh, You can subscribe to the Cruise Control Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, as well as other social media streams. So we want to salute and thank Eric Newman for coming and spending some time with us before the holiday uh, and, and share his success and also his journey through the culture of basketball and, and, and providing it to all the lenses that we are able to see now through the through the likes of Showtime and other, other platforms. So uh, on behalf of BG, BG, want to close it out? Yeah. Um, nah, just, man, quickly again, man, just big shout-out to – to E New man for for stopping through and um showing us all our love and stories and a lot most of all motivation man you know to see see where you've come from and to see uh where he's taking his uh creativeness to is just a testament that anybody can do it you know what I mean and don't be boxed in don't don't allow people to just say that you know you're stuck in this position that you're in um understand that you can take whatever talent you have to to the to many levels and many surfaces that you never can imagine. So big shout out to E New Man and stay tuned, man. Follow me at BG Mr. LES Express. Follow Joe Cruz at uh at Hoops and Sun and at J Cruz CEO on Instagram. And just make sure, man, you're just following us, man. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and all of our different platforms. Um just show us some love, man, and just keep it coming. No problem. So on behalf of BG, Eric Newman, Randy Cruz, the producer, I'm Joe Cruz. Uh, please also subscribe to our our website and our our social channels, as well as our podcast work on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple. Uh, on that note, everybody out there have a wonderful and safe holiday season. We'll, we will be off next Wednesday. We'll come back in the new year with more content. Uh, on that note, if you want to check this interview live again, please click on our YouTube link. On that note, on behalf of BG, Eric Newman, Randy Cruz, we're out of here. Have a safe one. Stay blessed and thank you for your time.